welcome to the Weekend Sober. It's Kim. And Catherine. We have a special day for you today. Today, we have a really special guest. Um, her name is Amy Willis, and she hails from Whole and Well, which is an empowered, empowering transformational experience to help guide you to all things sobriety. And um, we're so, so happy to have you with us and to share some of your points of view, where you've come from, how you've gotten to this amazing place, um, and some of the things that you do with your clients, including EFT, talk about um, normative culture with alcohol, all things alcohol, and all of that good stuff. So welcome. Welcome. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to chat with both of you. Thanks. So why don't we start by um, telling us a little bit about, about, about you. Why don't yeah. you tell us about yourself? Where are you yeah. from? Yes. We're uh, today. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I love it. Um, so I'm, I live in Toronto, Canada. I've been here almost half my life. So it's more home than anywhere else, but I am from London, Ontario, Canada, uh, which is not too far from here. Um, I am a sobriety and mindset coach. I've been working professionally in this field for the last two and a half years. And I work predominantly with women who are looking to change their relationship to drinking um, through sobriety, ultimately, um, and really support them in reclaiming their power and reclaiming their freedom through not drinking. And I arrived at this work after struggling myself with a pretty severe alcohol addiction for more than 15 years. And it was brutal. And I grew up in a home as well, where my dad also had a very severe alcohol addiction. And he ended up drinking himself to death. And so that was um, not an immediate wake up call, but a wake up call. Nonetheless, that really changed the trajectory of my life and my relationship to drinking. And, you know, for me, that was, that was a very clear picture of where my life was headed if I stayed on the road that I was on. And so, yeah, his, his passing really shifted things for me. And I got sober just over five years ago now. So I celebrated five years of sobriety in August of 2021. And when I started sharing some of my experiences with drinking and some of the struggles that I had, um, I noticed that a lot of women reached out to me privately saying, me too, you know, I have this thing in my life and it's not working for me. And I'd like to do it differently and I don't know how to do it. And so I knew that there were other women like me, maybe not exactly like me in terms of all the details of the situation, but similar, you know, um, of having alcohol in their life and it not really working for them any longer and wanting to create change, not really knowing how to talk about it, not really knowing the steps to take. And so between my own story and just having a hunch 
that there were lots of other women out there who could maybe benefit from changing their relationship to drinking, I decided to do something about it. And so I got some training. I went to a coaching institute. I got a lot of training. I became a coach. Um, I also became an EFT practitioner and a meditation teacher. And those are things that I bring into my work with my clients. And that sort of brings us up to speed. Um, I feel really, really, really privileged to do the work that I do. It's very meaningful for me and it's very um, personal, obviously. And I feel profoundly lucky that I get to support other women in changing their lives. That's incredible. How neat of a journey that you've come to this place where you're helping others through your own journey. And like, that's the bottom line. I feel like that's Mm -hmm. when you're I think that's, intuition. And I think that's also where, why we've started this podcast. And, and I think we feel the same way and we feel yeah. that, that need to help others. And, um, I think it's incredible. I want to hear more about, um, some of the things that you're doing. You mentioned, um, EFT and thing, um, some other things that piqued my interest, but, yeah. um, to kind of go back to some other things that you said earlier, the normative, alcohol what is what is, yeah the normative alcohol cult, culture. culture yeah so normative alcohol culture is actually a term that i made up <laughs> yeah. uh, i haven't heard of it and i, I, love, I read that one i know i like it yeah i like it too and i wanted to cuz we talk about it all the time but like what does it actually mean and so For me, normative alcohol culture is really the accumulation of beliefs and attitudes and expectancies and behaviors um, within and surrounding the consumption of alcohol, including who and when and how and how much can be consumed based on cultural factors. So it really, you know, normative alcohol culture dictates to us what's normal and what's safe and what's quote unquote healthy, uh, which is zero amount, by the way, um, in terms of alcohol consumption. But it also encompasses the ways that we think about it and interact with it and speak about it. Um, So it's how it's it's vented to us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So all the messaging, like the fact that, um, you know, you watch any TV or TV show or movie and you will see the presence of alcohol. The fact that when you type cheers into your iPhone, um, two champagne flute emojis pop up, like all of that is normative alcohol culture. And it's the combination of messages and messaging that come at us really from all directions that has us convinced that it's this thing that we not only should want, but we absolutely need. Mm -hmm. And we want to be in in regularly and enthusiastically consuming it, despite the fact that it is poison. (laughs) It's toxic and it's poisonous and it's addictive. And I almost liken it to some of the other systems that we operate in, like white supremacy or capitalism or the patriarchy, like all of these systems are invisible to the naked eye, but they're there and they're functioning and they influence us. And it's often not until you're in the case of normative alcohol culture, not till you're outside of it, that you can really see what it is and how it works. 
That's a brilliant way to liken it. It isn't, it's naked. It Mm -hmm. is We're blind to it while you're in it. it. And Mm -hmm. that that's what makes it so difficult. I think with, and I don't know, do you still, are you around and surrounded by friends who still consume? Have you, you know, I find that when I am around people and again, we're almost, we're more than one year out, but um, so it might be a little different, but I'm curious to hear about that. It's, it's hard to accept where they are sometimes yeah. <laughs> with their alcohol consumption. Yeah. Uh-huh. It, it, it's hard to not get up on a soapbox and start, you know, preaching to people. Um, That's it, what it is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes I, you know, I, I find myself doing that to my husband and he just tunes me out. Um, yeah. You know? <laughs> right. And luckily they're not big drinkers. Right. But- he isn't a big drinker, but you know, sometimes I, I, he's the only one that'll listen to me. So I just find that he's my only audience at times, but, um, you know, how do we challenge it? I guess is the question. And yeah. And where are you with with that piece of your life with friends and. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I would say most of the people in my life, um, don't drink heavily at this point. I do still have some, some friends who drink, but you know, if it's just one-on-one, they're not drinking in front of me. So it's kind of a non-issue. But it's also everywhere, right? It's going out to eat. It is, I mean, going to the movies now, there's booze there, like it's everywhere. Um, And what I think is interesting is, you know, even if you're not somebody who has struggled with addiction or where alcohol has been tremendously like negatively impactful in your life, it still negatively impacts all of us in really profound ways and in a multitude of ways. Um, So anyway, uh, yeah, I think some of the ways in terms of challenging it, um, conversations like these, right? I think the greatest challenge to normative alcohol culture is to be a truth teller Mm -hmm. and to have real conversations about alcohol. And that, you know, can really be a disruptor to it. So in my work, and I think this kind of speaks to what both of you are saying, just about like, sometimes it can be hard to watch other people consume it and to not say something or not to be like, what's, why are you doing that thing? Um, You know, I've gotten to a place where, you know, for me, my goal is not to try to convince people that they shouldn't drink even though there's all kinds of evidence from a health perspective and a mental health perspective that tells us that it's not a good idea. And like zero alcohol consumption is the safest and healthiest option for humans. But instead, I come from a place of I'm going to do my best to put out accurate evidence-based information on the real harms and dangers of alcohol consumption so that people can make informed decisions for themselves and to mitigate risk in their lives. And that, that needs to be the end of my personal responsibility because I can do, I, you know, I can try to convince people that they shouldn't drink, but we all are we all have autonomy. We all have agency. We all get to choose what's best for us. And so, 
you know, it's, it would feel probably very defeating to go through the world trying to convince or change everybody's personal choices. Amy, what I love, absolutely love about talking to you right now is the, the distance you've had from the moment you stopped till now and Mm -hmm. how enlightening it is hearing it so well thought out, so well expressed to, you know, cause we're still in that place of not struggling that we want one, but struggling mm-hmm. with the relationships with some people in our lives, perhaps yeah. that, um, we don't know how to, it's still not that, uh, it's not a total safe space where we know what to do with ourselves yeah. for them. And to hear that you're right. It is agency over your own self. And we talk about that yeah. every once in a while, but th- that's okay. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. we don't, we can have answers. We're here if they want to, but I still struggle where maybe I'll have a slight conversation, but then I just really want to just keep steamrolling and <laughs> yeah, hit it home for you. But yeah. you're right. It's yeah. Where like, let am. me send you some books. Yeah. <laughs> let me drop them off on your doorstep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also I've been there, right. I've been there. Like, And this is what I do now, like all day, every day, I think about these ideas and I talk about it and I fill my brain with like, again, accurate information about this topic. Um, But I wasn't always there. Certainly like a year out, I got very righteous um, about everybody else's choices. And I'm still clear on the information, right? Like it's, it's clear that this thing is not working for us. And I also understand the influence of the systems that we're in. I understand um, the challenges of moving through the world um, as various people, like in complicated social locations. Um, We are often under-resourced. We don't have you know, the support that we need and alcohol is everywhere and it's cheap and we're told we should want it. And I get why people do, right. It's also wildly addictive. So I I think with time and my own experiences, I've also, you know, cultivated a stronger sense of compassion for people. Yeah. And like, that's what's needed, I think, when people are wanting to make change or if people are struggling with something, being like, here's what you should do is not usually the way, you know, it's usually like, how'd you get there? What do you, where do you want to be? Like, what do you think you need? How can I support you with that? When did you start um, the coaching program for you? When did you go to that institute? How long, how long ago was that? That was uh, more than three years ago at this point. And was that, um, did you seek it out or was it kind of unfolding for you or were you looking for a program? Mm -hmm. Well, I have always, so I'm an Aquarius. I'm not sure if, if y'all are into astrology, but um, the sun- you two are like, I know, I feel like, <laughs> I know, like, <laughs> feel it. I feel the energy between you two. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's so excited. Where yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm an Aquarius and like part of my sign is, um, like helpers, humanitarians wanting to um, support other people in creating change. And I can see that through my life in terms of 
volunteer work, philanthropy, the jobs that I chose. So I always knew that I wanted to do something that was supportive and helpful of other people. And so coaching really sort of filled my cup in that area. And so as I started looking into coaching programs, I actually found one that really spoke to me because it was its focus was on habit change and understanding um, beliefs and mindset and how our identity informs how we show up in the world. And unlike a lot of folks when it comes to understanding addiction and substance use issues, I do not subscribe to the brain disease model of addiction that tells us that you're either an addict or you aren't. Um, if you are, you're struggling with alcoholism for the rest of your life, there is no cure. It will basically be torturous until the end. So like, good luck. Anyway, I don't subscribe to that. Um, and I actually came across a really interesting book by a neuroscientist who had also dealt with addiction himself. And he talked a lot about, um, addiction as an extreme manifestation of habits, and that made a lot of sense to me. And so his approach coupled with the coaching program that I ended up taking really ended up being the foundation of, of how I do the work that I do. So it is largely focused on habits. It's also focused on all the things that we believe to be true about ourselves, about alcohol, about other people and how that shapes the choices that we make and the actions that we take and, and all of that. And there's more to it than that, but that's, I don't, I don't even remember your question. Did that answer your question? <laughs> no, how you came to finding the coaching and that. Right. It, yeah. Yeah. No, that's terrific. I think, um, what was I going to say? Um, no, I think it's interesting that you, um, what you were saying about the word alcoholic, um, that there's like no cure and like, you don't subscribe to that. And I, I yeah. we talked about that. We do talk about yeah. that and believe that as well. Yeah. And of course, you know, when there's that one patriarchal patriarchal model, like AA from so long ago, it, it worked and it was for a certain human being, a certain, not even male, a white man. And now it just, if it works for people, great. I don't want to discount that, but there is just so much to offer yourself when you go deeper as to why you personally yeah. are using this habit. Yeah. And then it overtakes you. So it's like, oh, recognize the issue, recognize the problem, and then find out how to live a better life, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So do you use EFT? So emotional, um, what does the F stand for? Um, Free freedom yeah. techniques. Yeah. So it's yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. So I use it with all of my clients. Um, I use it in my own life all the time. Um, it's one of those things. I don't know how familiar you are with it, but when I first read about it, I was like, what is this? It's so you've tried it. I have tried it. I tried to do it for um, record because what I replaced and I've talked about this a bunch, but I started with my I was drinking and is for social situations. I realized I never really had one without alcohol. 
Um, and then I started replacing it with food. So I was trying to use EFT to, uh, and tapping to realize when I wanted to eat, but I didn't really follow through too much with it. Um, I saw a video about using it, uh, a school that uses it. Um, Mm -hmm. but I, other than that, I don't know much about it. Yeah. So when I first saw it, I was like, this is weird and I don't understand it. And I closed the book and I put it on my bookcase and I didn't open it up again for two years. So (laughs) I just want to say like, it looks weird. And if you don't necessarily understand what's happening, it can be a little out there for folks. Um, But essentially what it does is Um, by stimulating different acupoints on the body, you're sending a signal to your brain to essentially press pause on your fight or flight response. So you're rewiring how you respond to a stressful situation so that when that stressful situation or something similar comes up again, your body and your brain responds differently. Mm -hmm. So it's really interesting. It's really effective. Uh, There's a lot of science behind how it actually works. And there have been a lot of studies going head to head with some of the older like therapeutic models from psychology, for example, demonstrating that EFT is uh, a lot more effective. And that's not to like knock psychology or anything, but just another option for folks, but um, it's more effective. It lasts longer and you can get results quicker. And what I really like about it is um, it can be applied to such a wide range of issues. So there are a lot of studies right now around how effective it is for things like anxiety and depression and PTSD, um, smoking cessation, disordered eating, And, you know, from that, we've learned a lot about how effective it is and how broad the application is. So I, I, I love it. I I swear by it, um, as a modality. And what I like about it is once you kind of know, once you understand the tapping points and how it can work, it's then a tool that you have in your back pocket that you can use and apply when needed. And there are also times when it's helpful to work one-on-one with a practitioner who can maybe guide you through things a little bit more, like set up a program for you. But, um, it's, it's really, really powerful and effective. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Again, I I picture it being really useful with kids. I could see kids can be so tactile. And I think that, yeah. Um, I think it would be, Uh, yeah. Another sensory sensory tool. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. So cool. How did we connect? We connected over, um, an Instagram post, right? Mm-hmm. I think we connected after I wrote that mommy wine culture article. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah that's Is that right? Yeah. 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 yeah somebody posted it. Of, uh, somebody posted that of yours and I wrote something and then you contacted and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. 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 I do. I love that that all works out. I, I have so many questions for you. I might need to talk to you individually about some coaching. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any more questions for her right now though? Right now? Um, no, I don't, I don't think did I did. Did we talk about the mommy one culture? We kind of, we didn't really well, we dive ta- into it. Well, we talked about normative alcohol culture yeah. and that is just kind of a spinoff of it. 
mm-hmm. and how it's yeah I mean I would say like normative alcohol culture is like a broad umbrella and mommy wine culture is certainly within that so um you know for many years and we can even think to like prohibition era and beyond it wasn't super socially acceptable or culturally acceptable for women to drink publicly right and then from there big alcohol really identified women as like an untapped market for booze sales and in response to that have aggressively been marketing women and mothers for years. Mm -hmm. And so mommy wine culture is really a contrived manipulation that preys on the challenges and the stressors of motherhood instead of responding with structural changes and resources and support and care, which is actually what's needed. But instead it's like, here, alcohol is the solution to that. Um, And alcohol in particular wine is sold as the best, most accepted and encouraged way to deal with motherhood and essentially to deal with kids. And um, yeah, alcohol companies do things like hire psychologists to identify and understand and analyze the biggest pain points for mothers. And then they market alcohol as a solution to those pain points. So that's what I mean when I say like, it's very manipulative um, and it's done so intentionally. Um, And, you know, we see, you know, mommy wine culture has expanded to include like merchandise and t-shirts and, um, you know, Selfies for babies. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so weird. And like memes oh. and all of it. Um, and then we're actually seeing moms participate and spreading the message and, yeah. you know, it's intended to be light and funny and comedic, but this really, I think masks how harmful this messaging is both for moms and for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first stopped drinking, um, was when the Minute Maid ads were coming out with Molly Sims and like her little um, champagne fridge, orange juice fridge in her closet, which promoted like sneaking off to get away from your kids. This, these little Instagram ads Mm -hmm. hiding from your kids in your closet, drinking your mimosas in the morning. It's okay. You deserve it. You deserve that little break away from your kids. You should have a little fridge in your closet so you can, go and hide and drink alone. I mean, that was, and that was like right at the beginning of my sobriety. And so it was really like upsetting to me to see those Mm -hmm. ads because I definitely snuck off to my closet when I was like at the end of Mm -hmm. my drinking and Mm -hmm. hid from my kids. I mean, so that was really triggering for me. And the fact that they made those commercials and that's what with they, the intent with to the manipulate. intent to manipulate moms mm-hmm. like us who were just yeah. you know trying to make it seem like that's okay right oh mm-hmm. it's hard it's not so to, upsetting yeah. and it's hard not yeah. to feel like oh my I was totally caught they they caught me yeah and feel guilty about it but mm-hmm. it's a fleeting moment because I know I'm out of it but to you know. It's very sad, but the, sad. but but people yeah. that are still drinking, they yeah. see those ads and they're like, oh, thanks. accepted. Oh, now I feel like what I'm doing is okay, right? You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's like triggering on 
on a multitude of levels, right? It's like, this can be reinforcing for somebody. This can elicit shame for somebody else. This can be like, absolutely, you do need a break from your kids. Go hide in your closet, go do whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think like, it's a broader function of, of normative alcohol culture, right? Like, which has convinced us that alcohol is harmless, really. Um, like we're messing around with the equivalent of a loaded gun, but we've been convinced that we're playing with a water gun, right. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, we, we need to, we need to like really be talking about what's what here so yeah. that people, and that's, the, that's the thing that really feels important for me in my work. Like people are making choices without all the information Um, and so that's why I feel really called to have conversations like these and speak very honestly about what it is. Um, you know, even within normative alcohol culture, we have the language around drink responsibly, right? And what that does is really hoist all the responsibility onto the individual. And if any kind of negative outcome, uh, you know, is a result of drinking, it's the individual's problem, rather than addressing the fact that we're talking about a carcinogenic, addictive, toxic substance. So instead of saying like, here's the truth about alcohol, and you, you get to decide what you do with that, they're just like, go drink responsibly. Without actually offering any of the information and uh, they make it about personal responsibility instead of about the fact that we're messing around with like a really, really toxic drug. Yeah. Ethanol. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We put in our car. You know, when I read that, it's what I know it's the gas that we put in our cars. (laughs) In a different mind. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's enlightening. Um, Scary. Amy, do you have any other thoughts for us before we say goodbye to you? Um, one, one just like final thing. And I probably should have said this at the top instead of now, but just to be like real clear for anybody listening to this, that, There is no judgment, you know, for moms or for women or for anybody who drinks. Like, I really do understand how folks arrive there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the stress of motherhood is real and moms lack support and care and resources to thrive in motherhood. And in the absence of all of that, um, drinking is presented as this totally normal, acceptable thing. So, like, I get it. I really get it. Um, so I just want everybody to feel not judged um, and to just like take the information in from a place of curiosity. Um, yeah. And, you know, the, the criticisms and critiques that I have are aimed squarely at big alcohol and normative alcohol culture and really the systems that allow these things to thrive in our lives uh, to our detriment. I think that's a good place to, to end, to bring it all together. Yeah. You you have such Mm -hmm. a good mindfulness approach, curiosity. Yeah. I love it. You sound like my therapist. I want to talk to you every day. (laughs) 
true. It's it is true. because it's the the no judgment yeah, that I, I I've been I struggle with because yeah. I really do try and embody that. Yeah, me but too. There are I was on my 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 bracelet. I, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I know. Being observing, no judgment. I know. So hard. It is because we come from a place where it was always judgment. Mm -hmm. And I feel one of the overall issues with female friendships can be that women are hardest on each other. Mm -hmm. And rather than creating that space to be supportive of one another, it immediately goes to the opposite. Mm -hmm. So, you know, creating a new environment for women compassion and yeah mm-hmm. is paramount yeah i agree and i think when you really are coming from a place of genuine curiosity there isn't space for judgment it's so true you know if you're just like how did you get there right or what is that what does this look like in your life or is it working for you? Is this thing serving you? Does it feel like it propels you towards the life that you want to live? Or does it feel like maybe it pulls you back a bit? Um, Yeah. So I just think like curiosity with ourselves, uh, with other people who are maybe exploring their relationship to drinking is like a really great place to start. Um, Yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. Great. Love it. Thank Hmm. you so much, Amy. This, I don't think this is the end of our relationship together. We're so grateful. (laughs) Yeah. My absolute pleasure. Um, and if I may just offer something like for your listeners, yeah, wonderful. Cool. So, um, when I first got sober, I didn't know what I was doing or where I was going or what to do next or anything like that. And so I actually created um, something called the five-step guide to kickstart your sobriety workbook. And it's a free workbook. Um, It's linked up in my Instagram. I can also send you like a link if you want to put it in your show notes, but it's just like a helpful to just kind of take some of the guesswork out, take some of the overwhelm out, like getting to a place where you're like, okay, I'm not going to drink anymore is huge. Um, and then it can be, it can feel like a bunch of additional hurdles to figure out what to do next. And so this is to just like, take some of those hurdles and take some of that overwhelm out of it. That's so beautiful. that's yeah. so nice that you offer that. That's and we amazing. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Cool. I'll send you that for the show notes. Wonderful. Yes. Well, thank awesome. you so much, Amy. Awesome. Thank yeah. You. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. And if, uh, you want to chat again or anything like that, don't be shy. I'm always happy to talk. Awesome. awesome. Thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much. Amy, okay. thank you so much. It was great chatting with you. Yes. Have a great rest of your evening. Happy Valentine's Day. Yes. That's Thanks. it. Female friendships. Yeah. yeah. All about happy, it. Happy Valentine's Day.